Lessons Lived podcast, hosted by Michael Puente. What would you teach the world? Hello, and welcome to Lessons Lived. Today, I'll be talking with Camden Hoke. Camden is the founder of the Awareness Transformation Method. She is the creator of the Truth and Dare podcast, and she is the author of Roadmap to Radiance. Camden regularly teaches Radiance Awakening Yoga in Sausalito, California. She's a wisdom educator, life coach, author, yogini, wife, and mom of two beautiful young women. I've known Camden for over four years now, and I would describe Camden as kind, compassionate, and extremely wise. I'm very grateful to her because she's one of the people that was really instrumental early in my journey to become a better person myself. And Camden pushed me to try some things that, while challenging at the time, panned out to be very transformative in how I live my life today. So thank you, Camden. Hello. Camden will be teaching us about two lessons. First is embodying your life wisdom and living with an open heart. Second is awareness and resilience are your master keys. So before we get directly into lessons, Camden, hello. Hi, Mike. So happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. You're very welcome. I'm very excited to hear what you have to tell us. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and who you are? Well, first, thank you for that great introduction. And I loved when you asked me to be on the podcast, on the show. And I love just the the website, everything you've put together, all the people that are coming together. I think this is so valuable for everybody. And don't we all have lessons? I've learned that we do. (laughs) (laughs) It's like some of us may go, well, wait a minute, do I even have something? But really, every single one of us Mm -hmm. and everybody listening here has a lesson. And I think that key is being willing to sort of self-reflect and look inside. And I know for me, long time ago, that wasn't something that I wanted to do. I didn't even want to look inside. I, when I was younger, um, grew up with a mom who was an alcoholic. Um, My dad worked a lot providing for us. Uh, We had money, we had everything that we needed. It was really hard for me being present in my family um, Mm -hmm. with my mom. And I found that I started to hide my feelings from a really young age. Mm. I was very empathic, very intuitive, and I would get hurt really easily. And so what I decided to do, whether consciously, subconsciously, whatever, I was a child, it was like, how do I best protect myself? And the best way was to shut my feelings down. Mm. And that's what I did from a very young age. I was just like, all right, well, then I'm just not going to feel anymore. And this went on for a really long time in my life, and I got very destructive, self-destructive with drugs and alcohol. I tried to kill myself, and I was just super low. I really didn't care what happened to me. Death was like a boundary for me. It was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna shut down. And as I got older, it didn't really serve me. And I had this, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Um, My husband and I had two children, uh, two girls, and this was in early 2000. And We've been going through a lot in our life, and I was drinking, and I thought, I had this awareness of what the hell am I doing? I'm repeating the same patterns that I actually grew up with. Mm-hmm. Like, why? How is this happening? And um, because I didn't want to do that, right? right. We, we want to do the opposite of right. what we're exposed totally. to. Like, what the hell am I doing? And once I had that realization, I even got more depressed because I didn't know how to get out of it. And I remember sitting in my closet, this was 2009, I wasn't making any money. My husband and I were struggling and my girls were little. I was continuing this pattern. I didn't know how to get out of it. And I was sitting there figuring out how to kill myself. And that's the kind of person that I was. Like I was super organized that way, sounds ridiculous. And as I look back, I'm like, what, are you kidding me? But I was really trying to figure out how do I do this so that my husband can get the insurance money? Oh my God. 
right? Like, what the fuck? Right? I mean, it sounds ridiculous. And it was ridiculous. And But at the time, it was just like, you get so in a box. And maybe, you know, some people can relate. You get so small that you don't see a way out. And you think you've got to figure it out all by yourself. But that's not really the way. And in that moment, I got this jolt to my heart. And it was like, no, you're not ready to leave. You've got to be here for these girls. There's something there. And I was like, shit, is this like my grandmother? Is this God? Like, what is this, mm-hmm. you know? And I said, okay, I'm going to trust. And there's a sign. I need a sign. I need help. And uh, within that first month, I got some signs, one of which was coaching training. I was at a, a yoga conference with Baron Baptiste, one of my teachers, And as I walked out of the workshop, I saw this flyer for life coach training. Mm -hmm. And it's like it jumped off the shelf. You know, those signs that are like right there, like there's a neon around it or something. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And uh, that's kind of how the progression started of moving into something different. And from there, it wasn't like, oh, yay, everything's all done. Right. Right? It's like, okay, there's this bit of wisdom. There's this next step. I'm going to follow that, and I'm going to open my eyes more and open my heart a little bit more, and and we're going to go step by step. Was there something when you realized that you were following in the family patterns and you said you came to the realization, was there something, was there someone, something someone said or was there, was it just inside you? Was it something that developed over time or was that something that came immediately like a jolt of realization? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, I think I gradually yeah. knew it. Like I remember when my mom quit drinking, which I was a junior in college and I actually quit drinking for a whole year because I was like, oh my gosh, is this me? Because I've been doing like Coke and X and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, shit, is this me? Am I an alcoholic? Like, do I have this chemical thing or am I just like destructing and self-destruction? And then I realized, I was like, I'm just like partying and having fun. I don't have the chemical thing, you know, that Mm -hmm. there is. It was just this pattern of covering up the feelings. So that was a huge realization. And then it kept continuing, but I couldn't stop. It was like I would be good. It was kind of rooted in this pattern of am I a good girl or am I a bad girl, you know, from when I was young. And so it would get better, but it wouldn't get all the way better. And then it would get better, and then it wouldn't get all the way better. So my awareness was heightened, but it it wasn't changing to the, to the degree that I needed it to. And then when my kids were born, it was like this was about somebody else and not just me. Mm-hmm. And it was more serious. And it was like, I got to do something here. So that was a huge wake-up call. Because I was like, I remember I blacked out one night. And I was in bed. And then I remember waking up the next morning going, what the deal? Like, what? Right. What am I doing? So that's when I knew, like, I had to make some real changes. And still, it was like gradual changes, mm-hmm. you know? And I was practicing yoga at the time as well. I know we've talked about this, too, with movement. I was practicing yoga And it was like, that started to unlayer me, Mm. you know, because the movement started to open up something inside of me that had been shut down, you know? Right. Like where people get stuck in their bodies with emotional stuff against the movement. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Release those areas as you get more limber and stretch and open up and and be able to move through. It releases those trauma points that you're covering up with. Exactly, exactly. Because when there's trauma inside, we do our best to hold it in because it's painful. We shelve it. We compartmentalize it. We put it away. Sometimes we don't even remember parts of it until we do maybe some work with a mentor or a coach or a therapist or whatnot. And when it starts to come out, it's painful again because the pain has been pushed down. Mm-hmm. And so when that pain comes up, 
the thing to do is to grab that thing that pushes it back down. And that's what I was doing. So I think, you know, as I got older too, and as I went through my coaching training, what I realized was that I did need somebody to help me unearth this because mm. it was pretty painful to do by myself. Right. And so a lot of people will be like, wait a minute, a coach has a coach? Or you're like, yeah, of course, because I know the value, sure. you know, and I've learned that by having mentors, my yoga teachers, my spiritual teachers, my coaches that I work with and started to. My first coach I had was 2009. That's mm. when I did my training and I saw the value. I was like, they see things I don't see. Because right. we have an awareness of things, but we don't see everything. And so we can keep hiding from it or we can say, mm, yeah, I'm ready. Need someone to call you out on some yeah, things that you're right? kind of stuffing down <laughs> underneath underneath the couch. Right. <laughs> we might want, not want to see it, but then it's like it's there. And if we want to, you know, as you said, like become a better person or really be that greatest expression or live more from that place of wisdom rather than regret, mm. it's going to take a place of commitment. You know, it's not about being perfect. It's not about saying, oh, my gosh, I've got to get it perfect every day. And this is what I think embodying that life wisdom is. It's about saying, I'm practicing it every day, mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes I don't get it quite right the way I thought it would go, but I can learn from that. And there's that wisdom gained. So how do you get that wisdom? Like embodying your life wisdom, at one point you didn't have it. You had awareness that mm -hmm. things had to change. And then it was a slow development process. And now you're living it. Can you describe that process? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing that I think that is the big place is the awareness of being able and ready to commit mm -hmm. and to say, wow, and maybe it's even listening. Maybe some people are listening to the podcast. Maybe they've listened to things. And all of a sudden there's this little, ah, aha, uh -huh. oh, that I'm aware of something I wasn't aware of before, mm -hmm. right? Okay, I want to dive deeper into that. Maybe that's something that I want to change or unearth some more. So I think that's the first part of that is mm -hmm. awareness. And a practice that can really help that is a movement practice. Mm, okay. So if I, I've practiced yoga, some people practice Tai Chi, whether it's working out. Sure. For me, it's a more quiet practice, but for others, it may not quite be that. But it's moving, because in moving, we're able to expand from the inside out. And the body can't just keep things trapped in. So here's something, an ex just a story of something that happened. There was a woman who started coming to my yoga classes once I became a teacher. And she went for about four months and she was going all the time. And she was telling me, wow, all these things are really opening up for me. And it's really interesting. I don't want to drink as much. I'm feeling that I'm having more energy. I'm feeling that I'm being more open. I'm laughing a little bit more. But also at the same time, some things are coming out of my dreams. Some things are coming forward that are making me a little bit nervous, you know, hmm. because there was bringing up some pain of an experience that she'd had before. And she couldn't hold it back down because hmm. the yoga kept opening it up, right, the right. physical practice, the meditation, all of those aspects. She didn't come after four months. It's too much. Wow. And I didn't see her. And I remember seeing her a couple months later and she was like, I just couldn't handle it. It was coming so fast. I couldn't handle it. Well, I said, you know, there's other options. There's many other options. She never came back to yoga, but I see that she's doing it at her own pace. Right. You know, and everybody's got their own pace. Like, it's like, find your pace. Be kind to yourself in that. Be compassionate to yourself. Find somebody to work with if that's going to be what's needed. But don't compare yourself to other people in the process, because if that is something that happens, then, you know, the fear can start to take over and knock you down. Right. So I think it is 
you know, learning that practice of self-compassion and loving kindness towards yourself within the practice too. With regards to the awareness piece of this, you mentioned the physical practice, but when, like for this woman who's getting all these thoughts coming at her and she's maybe getting a little anxious because things are coming up that she's not aware. And I think another issue is sometimes thoughts come and they pass and they're gone and you like have a fleeting moment of, of like, oh shit, I shouldn't do this or why am I doing this? And then it goes and then you continue on with your patterns. In addition to, and what other sort of modalities do you recommend to set those awarenesses in stone so that you actually retain them and start thinking about them in a more kind of use, useful sense? Because I think I'll, I imagine a lot of people, I know my only speaking from personal experience, who get these kind of awareness things sometimes and then let them go or forget about them. 15 minutes after they, they come, they become mm-hmm. fleeting. And mm-hmm. I know that you've worked a lot on awareness piece Mm -hmm. so maybe Mm -hmm. yeah I think too you know it's looking at I always look at purpose and I think that's a big place that people come to of the the bigger umbrella of what have I aligned with my purpose yet in this journey of life and is that something I'm ready to commit to starting with that space of asking yourself that question and then beginning to look at are my choices aligning with that Are my actions aligning with that? Do I have a committed daily practice of journaling? You know, when I have these thoughts arise, maybe that aren't aligning with my purpose. Do I have a sitting practice? I think that sitting, even if somebody sits for one minute to begin, Mm -hmm. you know, in silence, then that can be very opening and revelatory about the thoughts that are going through somebody's minds. Mm -hmm. Because where we start is to look at, what are the thoughts that are going through my mind all day? And what is it? We have like 60,000, 90,000 thoughts per day. That's a lot. But you can start to notice themes. And it's like, are there self-doubt ones? Are there pattern ones? You know, do you look at your life and you're ending up with the same kind of partner who doesn't treat you right? Do your finances always end up in the hole at the end of every month and you beat yourself up about it? You can look at the tangible and then you can be with the intangible. So the tangible is like the outer circumstances of the life, right, of your life. And then the intangible, you're looking at, well, gosh, what is my awareness of that? Do I hold on to that thought? Do I think I'm not good enough? Am I, you know, not confident enough? And then how do I begin to unravel that so I become aware of when those thoughts are coming in? and begin to change those thoughts so that it begins to then affect the more tangible, which is in the outer life. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You're basically making this a practice. Yes. Basically. Yeah. You're saying you have to put some effort into this practice because, and until you decide to do that, maybe yourself in your closet, you decided like, I gotta do something. And then you have to start making a practice. Well, yeah, and two, is it just so, ridiculously painful in your suffering in your life Mm. that you don't want to do it anymore. And the benefit of that is no longer there for you. Like I know that I was drinking and doing all these things. And my thing is I say it was fun until it wasn't fun. (laughs) You know, you're like, wait a minute. And then to the extent of, am I causing my own suffering by the choices that I'm making? then you can no longer blame what's outside of you. It's like, I take responsibility for it. I have an awareness of it. And here's a great thing, actually, that you could do is like, for a two-week period, journal about your self-talk. Journal about your self-talk. Like, if you're like, if somebody's listening and they're like, well, I don't really know. I mean, I think I'm pretty nice to myself and this and that. But raise the awareness level and journal about your self-talk. 
You could set 15 minutes aside at the beginning of the day, the end of the day. Um, sometimes I'll tell my clients, take out your voice memo on your smartphone. Mm. And when you notice something like, oh my gosh, I was just totally doubting myself on that. Or, wow, I just totally threw myself under the bus on that. Why did I do that? Put it in voice memo. And then you can go back and listen to it too. It's in the moment, you right. know? Then when you see that, you can start to see where the patterns are for you and the places that you keep causing your own suffering, going back to those same patterns, and then looking at, well, hmm, what's my commitment? What's a step that I could take to change that? Mm, okay. That is living and embodying your wisdom because you're making a like a market research, really, right, of right. your own self-talk, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're saying, okay, well, here's the patterns. And then you're saying, here's what I want to change. And here's one thing I can do to change that. Commit to that one thing. Don't overface yourself and try to do eight things at once right, right. because yes. that just is not... Recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah. right? It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. And I think that's a great starting point. That's awesome. What sorts of things do you do now? How are you different now after... This is basically a two-step process, awareness and embodying the wisdom that came from the awareness. Mm -hmm. So describe how this process, how are you today? Like, what, mm -hmm. how has all this stuff mm -hmm. manifested in your life? So it's interesting, you know, because I know when I, when I post things online and social media, you know, people are like, how are you so joyful all the time, right? Do you have shit happen in your life? I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, everybody does. But I process it, I'm going to say, differently it doesn't take me out as much as it used to. There is a resilience that builds through this process of embodying your wisdom as opposed to your regret. And resilience is this place not saying that I've got armor on me and nothing can touch me and I don't have feelings. Resilience is this place where you've been to some low points in your life or maybe places where you would consider that a failure or it didn't work out the way you wanted or you've lost a lot. And you've been able to go inside and really look at, okay, what is it that I can bring from this? You know, what is the positive? What is the opportunity? What is the possibility that can come from this place? As opposed to looking at what has torn me down and being so much in the grief that you can't get out of it. Mm. Now, the part of that I think that's important to recognize is that we do have feelings and that it, we're not meant to rush through them, mm. you know, as in grief. We have loss. We have loss when we move, when we get divorced, when we even get married, you know, they're great things, yes. like all these things. They're changes in life and life's transitions. But we need to, I think, it's important to give ourselves space to process that and what that means for us and what is the wisdom that we can garner from those experiences. Because I see the world trying to rush people, including myself, through experiences and feelings. I lost my dog two weeks ago, and he was 13, and I've, I still feel him around here, and I was just crying this morning in my practice and yesterday. And you know, if anybody has pets, they totally understand what that's like. It's like your furry child, you know, and they teach us so much. And, and through that process, I've gained a lot of wisdom and continuing to, but there's also still some sad feelings. And it's a transition, and I don't want to rush myself through it, but at the same time, I don't want to get stuck in it. And so there's that place of continuing to say, like, today is a new day. I appreciate, you know, all of these things that I'm experiencing here, and here's the wisdom I've gained here. That's interesting you say that because I was just thinking about the fact something that I struggle with is 
feeling sadness. Like I just realized that I don't know, within the last two days. And my fear is exactly what you said. I fear getting stuck in it. Like I fear like that there's going to be a loop going on yeah. that's not going to get out of it. And so then that's a feeling that I've noticed. I'm like, I'm not going to go there. And um, thinking about it and like, should I go there kind of stuff? But really the fear is that I'm going to get stuck in it. Yeah. And so it's easier yeah. to just say, nope. Yeah. And how do you yeah. not get stuck besides starting every day fresh? <laughs> because yeah. I, I feel like it's yeah. a roller coaster ride that could well, not stop. Well, it can stop. be. It can be. And then, you know, a lot of people experience depression too, which, you know, if that's the case, definitely find somebody to, to work with. And, and because that can be that place where you do, you can get really stuck and get really low in that space. And yet, as you say, you want to acknowledge the feeling that you're feeling and notice it. I look at sadness too. I'm like, okay, I'm sad because I'm experiencing this loss. Mm -hmm. The loss is that I don't have this little, my little furry friend with me anymore and all of his beautiful things and all the things he showed to me about myself and about being here. And it's also a change, you know, sadness, I think goes with transition and it can be about change. And many people have a hard time with change. So it's like, how do we not get stuck with it? Well, the movement practice can help it move. Mm. I know that sadness and feelings can be processed through movement. And I've done some studies on the language of emotions. There's a great book, and if you post in the resources section or whatever you have of your show, I can, I can share with you this title, but it talks about the different feelings and how they can carry different things and how to release them from your body. So one of the things with sadness is like dancing about it's kind of moving the arms in a fluid kind of motion so that you do begin to move things through the heart. I call the heart the digestive center of the body with regard to feeling because we do digest through that emotional center, right? And that all kinds of feelings are going to go through it. When it gets stuck in there, sadness or pain, it mutates, right? And it can mutate to anger. Anger isn't always the bad thing. Right. Anger can mean that things are moving and going into the next phase of whatever, you know, the grief might be. I always had an anger. I had a hard time with anger when I was little because when my dad would come home, he was always mad. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was in trouble. So that was something that I looked at was like, oh my gosh, when my husband, if he gets angry at something, it really, it will touch that pattern in me. Mm. And I've done a lot of work on it. But then I'm like, ooh, I've got a little bit more I need to process. So driving it back to sadness, if it stays with you a long time, it may be touching some old pain that's there that's mm. not been processed. You can journal on that. You can, um, if it's really deep, get different like hypnotherapy and things like that to help you bring it out. But it could be an indication that there's avoidance of a deeper pain, or it could be like just learning how to process it, again, through movement, through journaling, through writing, through talking, whatever you need to begin to release that and let it flow through you. Mm. I like that dancing. That sounds like fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is fun. I mean, you can put on any kind of song. I love dancing through emotions. In my coaching, one of the things that we did in this group that I was in, we were helping entrepreneurs, you know, take their business online and really get it off to a start. And they were doing videos. And we wanted them to get into emotion. Because just like on anything, you know, when you start doing like video or you're in front of a camera or even a show or a podcast, you know, a lot of times people want to be really professional and perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, right? I mean, we want it, we want it to look good. We sure. don't want to mess up. Right. But part of the messing up is part of the practice of life, of being awkward and of being accepting of ourselves and of being like silly and curious and childlike and all those things. 
If we're trying to be perfect, we're pushing out the feeling. So what we did was with this group, and you guys can try this, it's, it's really actually super fun, is that we picked different emotions. So we had sadness, we had anger, we had happiness, and I don't know which other ones, you know, we maybe chose a few. And we picked a song, you know, that represented that emotion. So it was like, Adele is like ultimate sadness to me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, hello. <laughs> and so we had people kind of dance around and say a particular, we had a phrase that they were saying in that sad language. And some people really, they really came into it in their body. They embodied that, mm. you know, even if it was just playing, they right. really got to feel like, well, what does that feel like? And you could see when people were pretending or self-conscious and right. we would go and call them out on it and right. say, all right, this isn't quite happening. We can see you, you're performing, you're not embodying. So that's kind of a cool exercise to do too. You are yeah. the method actor. Exactly, improv, <laughs> oh my gosh. Let me just tell you, I've done improv a few times. It really is the best way to come into your too. body if you've done it and be I embarrassed. Done it. I keep telling myself I want to do it. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like get embarrassed, get awkward, be yourself, be accepting. And that, talk about raising the levels of awareness. Right. You know, that is just like you meet yourself mm. wherever you are because everything's coming up like this, right, right? right? And it's like awareness, acknowledge, accept, and then like, what am I going to say? Right? All in a split second, you know? So. I've been thinking about improv for like two years now. <laughs> and I don't know why I don't pull the trigger. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you. Bats is right in the right. city. I, I, I've looked them all up. I, I know where they are. I gave it to for Christmas, <laughs> oh, my you? husband. And we went and he's like, he opened the envelope and he's like, what is this? I said, it's an improv <laughs> workshop. We're going for a present. He's like, yeah, I could see the look on his face. It just fell. His whole face fell because it's not his thing at all. He was like, oh, but we had the best time and it was so much fun. And every single time I go, I learn something about myself and mm. other people. And you're so connected because you're in this experience together right. and accepting of everybody's awkwardness or greatness or whatever that is, that you really walk away. It's like a crash course in this embodying wisdom and awareness and resilience. And that's, I guess, what the worry is when you open up that card and you see, oh, we're going to do an improv class is because you know all that stuff's <laughs> going to come up, right? <laughs> you know, it's not exactly. just going to see, not oh. just going to see Spider-Man uh, uh, in the movie. No. It's, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Totally, totally. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's fun. We like watching improv. How many people watch those shows? There was one show that we used to watch with my girls. I can't remember the name of it right now. It was just a, like a 30-minute TV show. Totally improv. The guys were amazing. They were comedians. Mm. And it was just like, they were so good. And I would look at them and think, how is that possible? They're so good. I mean, you can think of Robin Williams. You can think of all these people that were just on stage. They're amazing. Right. And it's about being silly. And it's mm. about being who we are and curious and awkward and all those things. Maybe that you pushed down when you were younger, but that want to come out now because they're a part of who you are, a mm. really great part of who you are. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know why the timeline is tripping me out, but I, it's only been nine years since you've transformed yourself into this super wise mm. sage. Mm. <laughs> right? That's a lot. I'm, I'm super impressed. I thought this was a longer process than nine years. Well, which is I think it is, though, because, you know, when I was little, I was super observant. Like, that was one of the gifts that came out of me being born into the family that I was born into with my mom drinking is that I was super observant of everything around me. 
I also, like I shared earlier, I used to feel things in my body, like clairsentient, like feel things like no. And I think that I was born with that. Mm -hmm. And I remember people always coming up and saying, you're so young, you know, as I got older and things like that, how are you so wise? And maybe I'm an old soul. Maybe I've lived certain things before, but I know that I have a curiosity I know that I am the teacher that is the lifelong student. <laughs> and I know that things have unlayered in my life that have enabled me to step more into being myself. And I still feel it. I mean, I'm almost 54 and I'm like, I know this is like a peak, even a peak time for more to come out, mm. you know? And I look at that and I'm, I look at all the people around me because isn't it true? Like if we all look at all the people around us, they're the ones who really trigger us from the outside. Right. Like when we get pissed at somebody or we are in pain about something or somebody just gets under our skin, that is the person that we can learn the most about ourselves from. Right, right. <laughs> and yet we want to strangle them in many moments. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you have one of those people in your life, they're actually your angel. Mm -hmm. And when we connect, when we allow ourselves to go out and live our lives and open our hearts and really open ourselves to that, then we've received so many gifts to live from a more fuller heart and experience and more joy in our life than ever before. But if we go the opposite way, of which I've done before too, is where we close the heart because we've been hurt or we close ourselves down or we don't move or we isolate or any of those things, we really do ourselves a disservice and the world mm -hmm. because we don't allow ourselves and invite ourselves into our biggest contribution. And so it is about expanding and moving outward. And actually, I wrote down a poem. It's one of my favorites that really embodies what sure. we're talking about. And I wanted to share it too, because I think a lot of people think we've got to go outward all the time, outward, 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 outward. It's not possible. Right. We've got to go in and then go out, go in and out. And just an analogy that might make people laugh and make you laugh is that Think about celebrities, mm -hmm. right? Okay. J-Lo, how many reinventions has she had? Madonna, Justin Bieber, all these people. And I'll hear my girls and they'll say, well, I haven't heard anything from you know, Justin Bieber for a long time. Where's he been? I'm like, you can't create all the time you know, in that way. Like there, there gets to be an inward. Yeah, and it's part of the creation process. Think about the vibration. It's part of the flow. It is the mm -hmm. flow too. So if we go in and we, we go inward every day, whether it's our meditation and our journaling, then yes, we get to also have that move outward. Mm -hmm. And I think Rumi says it so beautifully here. Um, this is a poem. Rumi says everything beautifully. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, really. Like, I, there's <laughs> so easy. many books, the poems of Rumi, and I use it a lot in my yoga. But I'll often have um, words mean a lot to me, and poetry means a lot to me in writing. And so I'll often, in my teachings and my classes and retreats and whatnot, have a quote that will just take me into something deeper within myself and get me to really question things. So I love to read and explore in that way as well. But this is what this particular um, poem says. He says, your grief for what you've lost lifts a mirror up to where you're bravely working. Expecting the worst, you look, and instead, here's the joyful face you've been wanting to see. Your hand opens and closes and opens and closes. If it were always a fist or always stretched open, you would be paralyzed. 
Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. The two is beautifully balanced and coordinated as birds' wings. More beautiful than I was expecting. Uh, right? <laughs> I was like, damn. I mean, you every, know. Every stanza. <laughs> seriously. And I, we were just uh, at the lake um, this past week. I just got back yesterday and we were paddleboarding every morning at like six. It was mm-hmm. so beautiful. And uh, the, the last day that I paddleboarded, there were two birds flying above, the osprey and the eagle. And they sometimes play. They're always at this lake, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband and I look down, and right near us in the water is the fish that they're trying to get. Mm-hmm. So we kind of move back on, all, on our paddle boards, and Luke does have his you know, phone or whatever, and we're waiting for them to swoop down. So they're flying over us, the eagle and the osprey, and you can see the wingspan, and you can hear it because it's so really? quiet in the morning. And then all of a sudden, the osprey comes down. The eagle, I guess, bows out. The osprey comes down, grabs the fish, and flaps the wings and moves away. The eagle goes to the tree and sits. It was incredible. Wow, sounds and incredible. And it made me think of this, like our wings, right? Like we do come in. We do go back to the tree sometimes. We do fly out. But it's that willingness to step to the edge and jump into something new and to leap and, and find a deeper truth about ourselves and really begin to walk in that wisdom. So. Beautiful. Thank you, Camden. Is there anything else you want to mention? I think that we're explorers. Mm. And the more that we can all be curious about ourselves and about connecting to other people, the more that we can be compassionate and loving kindness towards ourselves and towards others, that we're all going through this together. Mm-hmm. The more that we can embody that wisdom that we gain and let go of that regret, so much is going to open in your life and it's gonna benefit all beings. That is, if anything, your biggest contribution. We're always looking for our purpose and our contribution, but it's all right here. And it all opens up as we really choose to dive into our deeper personal transformation, so. Thank you and thank you for helping me make space to go to Peru a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. That was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. and. And you really did kind of push me to go do that. I mean, yeah. um, it was your, your idea to do something, and then that came yeah. up, and you're all, yeah, it sounds great. Go do it. So thank you so much you're for, so for that. Yeah. Thank you. It's really my pleasure. And just, you know, when I, I think that's part of my joy, too, is when I see the people that I've worked with come into their light and really experience these new things it fills me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this is about. And that's why even your show here, Lessons Lived, we can look at other people's lessons and what they've experienced, and we can relish in their joy of that and learn something from that. That yeah. is embodying wisdom. So thank you for being on the journey and for sharing that too. Thank you. And I'll put all the, um, everything to contact you for your okay. podcast and everything in the, okay. in the details of the thing. Thank Thanks, Camden. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lessons Live podcast. The Lessons Live podcast is part of the Lessons Live project, where our mission is to catalog the lessons of every human being's unique life and disseminate those lessons for humanity's betterment. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. If you have lessons you would share with the world, you can share them now at LessonsLive.com, a platform where you can share your life's lessons and learn from others. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, please send me an email at info at and let me know what you would teach the world. 
Until next time, I wish you well.